Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, teacher, author, and motivational speaker. Today with me, I have a new guest, John Deli, and we're going to be chit-chatting a little bit about kind of this unique sort of opportunity, this unique idea John developed for his class that uh, you're just going to want to wait and hear. This is going to be a little bit of a surprise. So, John, can you give a brief introduction to your yourself, your resume, your CV, if you will? Oh, right on. Uh, my name's John, like uh, you already mentioned. I'm a level 20 uh, dwarven barbarian. I teach 11th <laughs> grade ELA uh, in Harrisburg, South Dakota. Uh, this is like my second, third year uh, doing full immersion gamification and uh, – my background with gaming is I really enjoy like Dungeons and Dragons and our uh, role playing games. So, yeah, and I that's, just use my class. So that's awesome. Um, I really love the idea of learning from someone like you about <laughs> kind of the idea of role playing in the classroom because I'm a huge game nerd, huge game nerd, more board game and card game. A little bit video game, but I the older I get, the less I do that, the less my hands do what I want them to do on the screen. Uh, like I know, like I see it and I like know what to do, but I just can't get it to do what I want it to do. <laughs> oh my God, I'm an old man. But the thing that I've never really gotten into has been sort of the, the D&D world or, or that kind of story-driven, uh, I guess that story-driven kind of game. Uh, but I think it's so applicable to school and some s- skills we could build in. So we'll talk a little more about that, I am sure. But I'm, I'm jazzed. And you said you're seventh grade, ELA? Yep. Uh, seventh grade English. So English and reading. So we actually teach them as a block at Harrisburg. So I get all my students for two periods a day. So that gives me actually more time to do more stuff. So I really enjoy that. So That's awesome. And uh, – you said it's your second year fully gamifying. Yep, uh, full immersion where I'm like letting them create characters and uh, we uh, we create little like miniatures that uh, they use in the game board and they move through the world and they attack monsters and monsters attack them and they have character sheets and so that's uh, the full immersion. I've been doing the uh, like little games, you know, Quizlet mm-hmm. and review games and stuff like pretty much the whole time I've been teaching, but the full immersion, like with character sheets and characters and leveling up their characters, like only the last couple of years. So, so I got to ask, this is not really the topic of our show today, but I have to ask as a, as a fellow full time sort of gamifier. And just like you, I have done the drop in activities, you know, like the Kahoot or those kind of things. And I still like those, not knocking them, but Do you find, I mean, I find that like kids just really respond to this like unique game that we have created, you know, in our classrooms and your game's probably completely different than my game. Yeah, it's, uh, they, they are very responsive to it. Like, uh, I have kids going home telling their parents, I send a biweekly email and parents are always like, oh man, I wish I could come to your room and do some quests. And my kids are so excited to be in your room. And, you know, uh, that's what we call our homework is quests because like you, to move through the, the world, you have to do so many, like read a chapter, do a step, the writing process. 
And then each part that you do is another part of the story. And so then I just, yeah. So they are, they are in it to win it. I mean, they want to level up and they want to be level 20 and they want to take on King Gimdrick, which is my character that I've dressed up as and went into my classroom in full dwarf, dwarf, dwarf gear. So, yeah. So, so for anyone that's hearing this podcast and not seeing this podcast, uh, I think I think you need to go on to our YouTube channel here and check out John because I I can picture you and the kids gotta love you in that costume. <laughs> I do have a picture. Um, I'm not sure where it is, but yeah, I had a full breastplate, a crown. Uh, I made a an axe for my uh, game mat. And uh, I made the students like bow down and swear their loyalty to King Gimdrick, and it, it was it was actually a pretty good time. My principal came in and watched it, and he was laughing as these uh, students kneeled down. And I made them write up a character backstory for their uh, uh, for their character for my game, and they had to kneel down and tell me why I needed them to help uh, deal with the dragon menace. You know, because these dragons are invading the world. And so, yeah, I made them, like, <laughs> swear their fealty to me. So <laughs> I love it. it. Good time. So, all right, let's get let's get down to business here. Um, John and I were on a Twitter chat together. In fact, XP Labs Twitter chat. And we were talking about various activities we do in our class, different ways to set things up, different ways to sort of create assessments and create experiences for our students and and john shared kind of a unique thing but like always in twitter you know even though they've increased it to 280 characters there was just so much left on the table i wanted to know so much more about this activity so i reached out to john and said would you care to share about it on a well played so john can you sort of tee us off with a little bit of what we were chatting about what was this thing that you sort of put out there um it's, it's called a five room dungeon and what it is is uh, game designers or um, DMs uh, use this format to design a a dungeon, so to speak. And it basically has a different theme or idea for each room. And as they move through the room, like each challenge is different room to room. And um, by the time you get to the last room, which is the boss, that's where um, the mastery assessment would take place in my room. So like, for example, room one is supposed to be the guardian, which means it should be one of the hardest rooms in the game because um, the, uh, if it wasn't, then the dungeon would have been plundered long ago. So the first one should be a really hard encounter, um, monster-wise, not curriculum-wise. Like, uh, And then the second one is like some sort of puzzle. Um, or role-playing challenge, like you could rescue someone from a prison. And then the third one is, uh, it's like the turn. It's, uh, or it's where basically you get betrayed, I believe, is the third room. The fourth room is where you think you have uh, beat it. And then the fifth room is where the actual boss is. So it's just a simple little uh, um formula that allows you to uh, create these big massive dungeons um, very quickly and easily so you're not worried about all these other you're not getting bogged down in the details basically you know that this room you need to have this this room you need to have this and there's a lot of different variety you can apply it to a dungeon you can apply it to a whole world um, it's, it's very versatile and that's uh, that's how I use it to uh, design my encounters uh, like right now I have two going on that one of my uh, – they can go after a 
a spork of superlative snacking, which allows them to. <laughs> I love al- it. <laughs> they, they, they can have snacks during personal flex time. Or you have the noise nullification necklace, which allows you to have um, music. And basically, they'll go through this five room dungeon, and at the fifth room is where they will go and onto the battle board and fight the, the final boss. And if they're successful in beating him, they get the item, they get a level, and they get some gold. So it's just a little format that I use to uh, take my students through my world. So, okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, you just sort of <laughs> rattled it off like it was super easy, and I appreciate that it's easy to you, but myself and the listeners are like in awe right now, John. They're, we're like, this sounds awesome, but I don't fully understand what he just said. So... To try to break it down for people, you have these five rooms, which really you're just talking about a thematic template to the rooms to help you design them. Uh, yes. But let's maybe let's walk through and try to do it a little bit of an example of how you would attach it to ELA. So if you were sure. designing this experience and you had room one, you said room one has to be the hardest monster-wise, like you know, it's a tough room to get through, not necessarily curriculum-wise, but it is going to be like they're going to have the most skeletons in that room. They got to like destroy or whatever the case may be um what does that what does that look like from the student's perspective what does that look like for you like what does that mean like i get that a room is just a fake thing but like what are we talking about okay so uh in my world right now they're venturing out um towards the tower the the mage tower the is where one of them are headed and i use uh like dungeons and dragons has uh challenge ratings for their monsters And so basically based on where they are, I'm able to design these monsters. And so I'll create a deadly encounter, something that they have to be smart to be able to defeat these monsters. Like in the uh, last one, like I actually had these two PCs run away and left their friend there all alone fighting all these things. The girl was successful, but uh, her friends left her there. So uh, to reward her, I said that one of King Gimdrick's knights came over and said, here you go, and gave her a healing potion and told her not to uh, uh, travel with cowards anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. So, um, basically, it's, it's just uh, – Because when you get your assignments done, like, for example, to be able to fight these monsters, you had to read a chapter in your book, do a step of the writing process, and uh, do a Quizlet learn and get all the words mastery. And so after all the members of your group got that done, then you would have like a five to ten minute encounter on the battle board. And that's designed to be um, roughly – a deadly encounter. If you don't do it right, your characters could possibly die. And so they have to fight through that to get to the next one. If they're after they're successful, then they read another chapter. They do the next step of the writing process and then do a grammar quiz. And, and then they take them to room two. Yes. Room two, which would be the, the trick or the puzzle. So, um, what, what's going on now is uh, or a role-playing challenge. So they will actually, in this little scenario, they will encounter a band of goblins. Um, they will come upon a goblin camp. And what they won't know is like there'll be god- goblins hidden all the way around, but they'll only see the few there. So if they decide to try to fight them, then they could probably die. But they could be able to talk their way out of it, maybe buy their way out of it. It kind of depends on what they decide to do. 
So maybe the goblins would offer to show them where the tower is if they're nice enough to them. And it's all, it all depends on how the students react to these monsters, I guess. So, and then after they complete that, I mean, cause they could get captured, they could get uh, helped out. It just kind of depends on how they do it. Then they'd go and back. And do, yep. And, and I was going to say, and all of this just again, cause I'm not a D and D sort of person. A lot of this is like you're sort of playing the role of the goblin, so to speak. Yeah, you're responding yes. to their. So, like, you put it out there, like, "Hey, guys, you're the what is it the the PCs, you're the, the dungeon, yeah, like I'm, you're the I'm the dungeon master." So that's it, right, right. So yeah. you're laying out there that, like, "Hey, guys, you approach this camp, you see like five five goblins or orcs, you know, hanging out by the fire." And they're, you know, just chit-chatting. It looks like there's just three of them. You know, yep. how do you want to proceed? Yep. And then they make the choice of they could probably avoid them by sneaking around. Uh, they could probably talk to them. They could but attack that's where, them. But that's where you then could either just say, like, yep, like you snuck around, like, great. Or you could say, like, when walking around the forest, you bump into five more that were actually hidden into the yep. forest. And now what are you going to do? Like, Or do you actually, like, say they jump out and... Do you force the issue? Like, the um, I actually let the dice decide. Like, I use a basically, I roll a dice, and if they're trying to be sneaky, I let them roll the dice, and then based on who rolls better, like the my goblins might see them, they might see my goblins, or maybe nobody sees anybody. So it's based on rolling the dice, and they'll roll the dice, and no matter what happens, the dice creates an event. So if they roll good they might be able to sneak around and oh i see those goblins but we're we can avoid them because they didn't see us so it's based on their choices and how well they roll the dice <laughs> i love it i absolutely love it that's that's awesome so okay they they do that they move through the various rooms each room is sort of unlocked and allowed for them to be in it by the attachment of some of the curricular requirements you have that they have to have done so much writing and reading. And now their group does this room. Um, do you have to come up with multiple storylines? Cause you have, you know, I'm assuming you have like 10 groups or something like that. So like, great. Like my group got to find out that there's this camp of goblins and the best way to do it is to kind of go around them. And now it's my buddy Curtis's turn, you know? Yep. What, like, and he gonna, like, choice so um basically it's uh there's a couple terms that they use in uh role-playing games there's called railroad and there's called sandbox i don't know are you familiar with those terms i am but those just in terms of game design for board games similar there's you're on yep. the railroad tracks like it's got to be this way it's this path yep. this is how you win and then sandbox is kind of do what you want like you yep. like I so think it's so I designed the sandbox so they can make all these choices. However, all of these choices go into a railroad, so they do end up at the at the same place. Um, however, the shape they end up in when they get there, you know, like might be entirely different. These guys might have the band of goblins helping them get to the tower, where these guys might be beat down because they decided to fight the goblins. These guys might be exhausted because they haven't found any food along the way. You know, so there's all these different things. They'll arrive at the same place, but the condition in which they arrive can be entirely different. 
Sure. So yes, um, the story, the options are different, but they all kind of lead to the same place. You know, like all roads kind of lead to Rome. All the roads lead here, but different things will happen to your characters along the way. So, so do, you, do you write down where they're at so that you know that the like you know two days from now when that when my group comes up, you know we're on the third room, but my buddy Curtis is still on the first room or whatever. Well, they, they kind of know where they're at. And then on, okay, so on my, um, I have a counter in my room and I have these big giant tiles that I have the different scenarios on. So basically the idea is that you move through this so I can just grab one of the tiles and put it down on my game board and then we play through that scenario. So then they know, oh, I've made it through this tile. Next time is this one. So I leave it up to them to remind me where they're at Mm-hmm. And then each each scenario is kind of a standalone a scenario, but it is connected to the previous one. So, and you said they actually have pieces to be moved around on your game board. That was kind of my next thing that I'd like you to sort of walk us through. So, uh, uh, not everyone here does sort of game boards, and I'm curious how your sort of functions and how you create it and those kind of things. Um, okay, so have you ever heard of Hero Forge? Yes. Okay, so I, I allow my uh, students to go to Hero Forge and create this avatar, and then we take it Ooh, and hang on, we take. Hang on a second, just so everybody understands who's listening. Hero Forge is it's not just an avatar creator. Hero Forge literally, you could if you want buy these miniature pinner pieces, yes, printed out pieces, oh. if you will. So, or you can buy the thing to print it. You can let them print it, although that that's pretty expensive. So my wife, being the awesome lady that she is, found this uh, solution. Have you ever heard of Shrinky Dinks? Yes. Okay, so what I do is I cut a piece of Shrinky Dink paper in quarters, and then I have the student freeze their iPad screen and trace their avatar onto this Shrinky Dink. Then we go over to the fax room and bake them. And then I use uh, I use this uh, this black clip, you know, like the the alligator clip, the black one with the wire handles. Yep. And we put that shrinky dink in there, and then we hot glue it to a uh, piece of foam core, a one inch by one inch square. And then we uh, we cover it with uh, with PVA glue or Elmer's glue, and put uh, sand and rock on it. And then when it's dry, we cover it all in Mod Podge. So then it like seals it up. So they got a little character that's about this big or so um, that they can move their character through this world. And then we just use the regular D and D one square equals five feet, and that's how they move through the world. So they use the movement um, that way with the uh, with the shrinky dink. So okay. So speaking of movement, each character you said early in this episode, everyone has their own character sheet that they have developed, and sort of. So my character is different than my buddy Curtis's character. So with that said, uh, how does that look like in terms of movement? Like, what are the stats you have on there that give my game board experience a difference than Curtis, or okay, a way so, that Curtis and I would want to work together? Because sure. ooh, together we could defeat this room easy. Sure. Um, there, there's, uh, there's three classes that you can be. You can be a fighter, a barbarian, or a rogue. Okay. And then there's four races that you can be. You can be a human, an elf, a halfling, or a hobbit, and a dwarf. And the dwarf and the halfling have 25 feet of movement. So that means on any turn, they can move five squares where an elf and a human have 30 feet of movement, so on any turn they can move six squares. 
So the the taller of the characters can move faster. And then, like, uh, depending on your class, like, a rogue can actually double their movement every turn um, and still attack, whereas a fighter and a barbarian cannot. So it's uh, it's based on what you create for your class or your race is uh, determines your movement and how much movement you get. So, yeah. I love, I hope everyone else listening loves it as well. How, how John explains it with such ease yet. Like it's really cool. I mean, like this is, this is all giving your students interesting game choices, interesting moments. I'm sure in each of these rooms where it's like, wait a minute, if I go this way, if I, Hey, like, Ooh, I'm one square away from grabbing the amulet or whatever. Right. Um, and then I'm sure there's moments where these two or three people in a group could work together, right? Like if you two yep. go this way and I go this way, maybe we could distract the goblins, so to speak. Yep. And then uh, uh, turn order, um, they roll a dice to see who goes first. So it's called initiative. So they roll that and I roll. And then it's like, oh, okay, Billy goes, and then the goblins go, and then Sally goes, and then Freddy goes. So then we just keep track of whose turn it is, and everybody gets movement, everybody gets attacks, and uh, you can use a ranged weapon or a melee weapon, so you can move up to somebody and hit them with a sword, or stand so far away and shoot them with a bow. So, and and what I like about the five-room dungeon, going back to that, is is it's not all combat. Like uh, a lot of the games that I've played in, um, it's just you show up and you just fight monsters all day. And that's not necessarily fun, you know. So I would try to add these other things in there like the role playing, the puzzles, those types of things. So it's not just uh, it's not just um, characters killing each other. It's actually you have to think you have to problem solve all those soft skills that we want to teach as teachers are present on my game board because you have to communicate. You have to work with other people. You have to problem solve. And so it's not just I'm going to show up, roll some dice and kill some things. No, it's you have to think. So <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, that's really good. So like that's like a good example of the second room. That's a puzzle. Uh, I forgot what the third and fourth was. I know the the fourth, uh, you said it was like they think. Oh, the third is the turn, right? Uh, yes, the third, the the third is the trick or the setback. And like, for example, say um, say the PCs decide to um, the PCs decide to take the goblins up on their offer and let the goblins lead them to the mage tower. Okay, so by so the third room is the goblins leading them to the mage tower. And when they get there, the goblins decide, hey, you know what? The treasure's within our reach, so we're going to betray the PCs. And that's where they try to take the PCs out. So that's the trick or the setback. Or maybe they show up to the, the – um, to the mage tower and there's a whole bunch of traps there, you know, so they walk through, they hit a trip wire and like a wall falls down on them or they fall in a pit trap or something like that, or an alarm comes up and all these other goblins come out. So that's the trick or the setback. It's uh, it's one of these things that they have to be aware of that something's coming. So, and then four is like the climax. That's where they think they've won. And so they're like, they, they relax a little bit before room five comes up and they realize it's not over. And, and that's where the big bad guy comes in. The big bad evil guy comes in and lets them know how 
over it's not, I guess. <laughs> so that's awesome. that's awesome. so the students uh when you're when you're describing these things that happen, like uh like you said, the wall falls over, you fall in a pit trap. Uh can you describe a little bit what one of these tiles would look like? If if I can move five squares or six squares, what's a tile then? Is it, you know, is it twelve by twelve squares? Is it twenty by twenty, thirty by thirty? What uh, graphics are on there? When you say a wall falls over, are there actual like walls? Do you literally put things in there uh, like trying to think yeah, these things I do. I, I do actually like one of my hobbies is is uh crafting uh scattered terrain. So like, uh, you know, the foam insulation boards, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from like Lowe's or whatever, I take those and I cut them into like little bricks and I build walls out of them and then I paint them up and then I make, uh, I make stuff out of like cardboard and stuff like that. So there are these like physical 3d things on the map and, uh, I have a, like a little one by one square and I stuck toothpicks in it. And so as they're running along, they're moving and then I say, stop. And I make them roll to see if they see it. If they don't, then they fall in the trap and take the damage. And then I put that tile where they stepped to show that that trap is there because it's been triggered. So, yes, there is a 3D uh, scatter terrain that I use to kind of enhance it. And I also uh, I bought some uh, dungeon tiles um, created by uh, uh, TSR or Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro, whoever owns it now. <laughs> whoever owns D&D now, I, I use those uh, dungeon tiles. And that's what I stick on my big foam tiles to make this world where they go through. And that's already got a grid on it and all of that. And then I also have a uh, 42 by 33 inch uh, gaming mat that you can draw on with wet erase markers. So then I can draw out like where they're going and then put my scatter terrain in there with like, you know, altars, tombs, those types of things. So and then I just make all of that out of like uh, foam core and, uh, and then cardboard. Kids get, so and then kids understand that the main mission for this room if we're describing room two here is to is to get through this room and it's not apparently a battle room you're just coming up against these orcs but along the way they see on the board like we could go over here and check out this altar we could go over here is that what you're saying yes but um it all depends on what you can see because if you're over here and something is behind the tree you don't see what's behind the tree so only when you get in it's called line of sight so when you can actually see it is when I describe it to you, when I, when I give you that bit of information. So there's things that students will miss going through because they simply didn't see it or they weren't in a position to see it. So that's where that another level comes in where Billy's ad- adventure will be different than, than Dylan's. You know, so then, yeah. So it's not, it's not actually on the board yet then is my point. No, it's not. It's not. Not until you see it. Not until it's revealed. So you so, know that there's like in this room, I have like placed two altars and a mine shaft, but yep. I went more on the left side of the board, so I didn't see any of the stuff that you had thought of for the right side of the board. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, now you could take time and explore the room, and then I reveal all those components. But like last time, like I said, those two girls just ran. So they didn't see any of the other things that were there because they just fled from the monster. So there were things that they missed that they didn't see, but they don't know. And I don't let them know that they missed stuff. So (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. Well, John, this has been super awesome to hear you kind of break down this, this D and D system for us and how we could possibly use it for our classrooms. We, 
now have made it to reflection time. Okay. I think this fits us well. This is a quote by Bob Dylan. And right. I'll give it to you, and then you and I can kind of spin it for how we see it play out in our classrooms. Uh, Bob Dylan's quote is, Chaos is a friend of mine. <laughs> uh, yep, that, that fits my classroom uh, 100%. A uh, friend of mine came to my classroom and I was like, you know, we're not really doing anything. You know, I'm sorry that you don't get to see the gamification. And he came in and I have students building this 3D terrain over here and these students designing quests over here and like all this stuff going on. And he just looks at me and he's like, are you serious? You're serious? <laughs> it's going on right now? And I'm like, well, nothing is, you know, he's like, is this a normal day in your classroom? And I'm like, yeah, it, it kind of is. And and he was just like, I, d I don't get it. Like, you're saying that there's nothing going on, but there is so much going on. I couldn't do this. And it's just a normal day for me. You know, I bounce around and, you know, this student might be working on this and this and this. And so it's just, it's chaos. It, it's complete chaos. It's organized chaos. But it is uh, complete chaos because students, the big thing we push at our school is voice and choice. And so I open it up, you know, what are you working on today? What do you want to work on? This is what you need to work on. And so they always have choices and, and they embrace that chaos just right along with me. So, <laughs> so John, I, I hope you take this as the compliment it is meant for, but you, it sounds like your classroom is a sandbox that goes into a railroad. <laughs> I do take that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, chaos is a friend of mine. I, I am just all in favor of days being a little different, uh, not having kids come in and just know exactly what's going to happen. And, and with that said, that means it's a lot of work for me. It means I'm generating new activities, new ideas. You know, when things aren't standard, it means they're non-standard which means you have to keep creating more non-standard. Like it's a lot easier to just have like reload the same thing, you know, we, and uh, to keep it fresh, to keep it different uh, is a, is definitely a goal of mine. And it does keep it a little chaotic. But as you said, there's a bit of organization or beauty in that chaos and the kids kind of like it. And I like it. I'm sure, I'm sure not every kid loves it, but um, you know, I think that's where also schools are really great in having a diversity of teachers that teach different ways and kind of in that way, everybody gets served. Yep. I, I agree 100%. So, well, thank you so much, John, for being on well played episode 134. That's crazy to me. Wow. It, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Like, uh, I'm honored that, um, someone of your caliber would ask me to be, uh, to share the ideas that I use in my classroom. Thank you. I appreciate it. It is always uh, a pleasure hearing kind of the inside scoop into people's classrooms. I really do appreciate you taking the time. And everyone else, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn with us today. As always, check out my YouTube channel for more information, more videos, as well as my website, mrmatera.com. And that's all we got for you today. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>